0: Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about ministry leadership, particularly focusing on practical issues of organizational leadership and church leadership. Here on the Lead On Podcast, we try to talk about uh, pressing questions or particular issues or just things that will make us better at what we do on a day-to-day basis. As I travel around, speaking, going different places, uh, people ask me, you know, various questions: "How's the seminary doing?" or "Tell us about your family," or just things like that to get acquainted or to know me better. One of the questions people often ask is, "What are you reading?" And I want to talk today about uh, what, about how to answer that question, but also want to talk more broadly about the importance of developing a lifelong habit of reading. Uh, to strengthen your work as a leader and also to make you a better communicator and simply give you a more well-rounded understanding of life. So the question I'm asked is, what are you reading? But I want to answer it more broadly by talking about uh, developing a lifestyle or a habit of being a reader as a leader. Uh, Leaders are learners, and learners can uh, gain new information from lots of different sources, but reading is still one of the best, and I want to talk more about that. So why... Should leaders read? I mean, with all the time demands we have and all the things we have going on that distract us and all the need that we have to keep up with the cutting edge of what's happening in uh, the news and what's happening in contemporary life, why read? Well, for several reasons. First, reading shapes you spiritually. When you read uh, good Christian literature, whether it's uh, theology biblical backgrounds, Uh, biography, or practical books about leadership or marriage or counseling or ministry, uh, various ministry assignments like youth ministry or children's ministry, when you read, it shapes you spiritually. It allows you to interact with people who've uh, thought deeply about a particular subject or about a particular issue, and written about that in such a way that you can access what they've learned and how God has taught them and how he can also teach you. So reading uh, shapes you spiritually. Another way that a reason you should read is because it invigorates you intellectually especially uh, when you interact with great minds people who have uh, thought profoundly about certain issues and who are recognized as uh, global leaders in their field and this can be not just in areas like theology but it can be in other areas like politics or history e- economics uh, when you when you uh, read a, a book by someone who's at the Uh, pinnacle of their field, uh, it gives you the opportunity to interact with a person that you will likely never meet, maybe even never hear speak, and certainly never have the time to really probe into the depths of what they think apart from reading their book. And so uh, reading is a way for you to have fellowship with great minds and to connect with people who really are uh, at the pinnacle of the understanding of their particular field. Another reason you should read is it sharpens your communication style. It sharpens your word craft, your capacity to use and understand words, to put words together in meaningful ways. It will expand your vocabulary by helping you to encounter new words in new settings and see how those words are used. Um, I teach preaching and I encourage people who take my preaching class to develop a lifelong habit of reading fiction, uh, to read good narrative literature so that they'll become better storytellers, learn how to use words more powerfully. Uh, Learn how to put words together in ways that create mental pictures for hearers. Uh, To learn how to use words efficiently so that they use the fewest words possible to communicate the biggest idea or the, the depth of meaning possible. So reading really shapes your communication style. It'll make you a better speaker. It'll definitely make you a better writer. And then another reason why leaders should read is for the escape, for the, uh, for the uh, opportunity to send your mind somewhere else, to take it off the day-to-day, take it out of the areas of leadership that you're trying to master, and simply send your mind into a place of rest and relaxation, or a place of wonder, or a place of amusement. That's why it's important, I think, to, to, to read fiction. Now, some people like science fiction, some people like romance stories. Um, I personally like uh, spy novels and stories about uh, crime detectives and things like that. Uh, I read those to provide an escape, a way of taking my mind uh, away from what I do on a daily basis, to give myself a mental break, if you will. And so reading uh, does that for me. Well, why read? Well, it shapes you spiritually, invigorates you intellectually, sharpens your communication skills, and also provides an escape, a mental break, if you will, a place to send your mind to rest or to go into another area uh, of, uh, of, con- of thinking where you won't be always focusing on the work you're trying to do. So the second question is, what should a Christian leader's reading plan include? Well, let's talk about uh, some different things you could include in a plan. First of all, I want to encourage you to read widely. Uh, It's easy to fall into the trap of just reading one kind of theology or one kind of biography or one kind of book about a certain subject. And if you're trying to become an expert in that field, uh, certainly you'll want to do that. But I'm talking now about just as you're a generalist in leadership and trying to move forward in in all areas of life or move forward in a more general sense, uh, read widely from different perspectives and different points of view. And don't be afraid to even choose some people to read that you may feel like that you'll disagree with or that you'll uh, uh, maybe even, they'll even make you angry about what they read. But don't be afraid to read widely to take in a, a broader breadth of information as you're considering certain issues. The second thing I suggest is read purposefully. In other words, make a reading plan. Now, some people uh, mistakenly believe that you make a reading plan, and that reading plan lasts for a lifetime. Uh, you know, I make a reading plan about every year or every two years where I, get, uh, uh, where I lay out an idea of what I want to do and how I want to do it and, and what areas I want to be reading. Uh, sometimes I do this even in lesser periods of time, like for a season of time. But reading purposefully helps you to sort through all the thousands and thousands of books that are out there and say, no, here's the subject I want to focus on and here's what I'm thinking about and I want to read uh, in those areas or in those fields or in those directions. And by doing that, you can purposefully and intentionally uh, shape your thinking over time. Let me give you some examples of what I mean by reading purposefully. When I became the president at Gateway, Uh, There weren't a lot of books out there on how to become the president or how to be president of a Southern Baptist seminary. Uh, If you did write that book, you wouldn't have a very big audience, not very many of us. But I wanted to learn how to be a president. I wanted to learn how to think like an executive, and I wanted to learn how to think broadly and to deal with uh, lots of different forces and lots of different people and lots of different ideas. I wanted to see some modeling of that. So when I became the president of Gateway Seminary, I decided for the first few years that I would read presidential biographies, meaning the biographies of American presidents. And what I did was I did some uh, research to discover, uh, and you can do this pretty easily online, uh, what are considered the, the best or the standard biographies about different presidents. And so, uh, and, and historians uh, often agree on this being the best biography or this being the definitive biography or this the newest biography that's, that's really, uh, that's really uh, significant. And so I would, I would uh, gather that information and I would choose a, a biography of a president uh, that was from that list. So I, I, I've read probably biographies on at least half of the American presidents now. And during the early years of my presidency, I tried to read about one every other month, and these were not short books. These would be thousand-page biographies, typically. And so I was just trying to read through them slowly and think through what I was reading and really interact with the person's life and their way of thinking and their their methods of problem-solving and how they dealt with different political groups that came at them for different reasons. I also looked for how, how, uh, how they handled Stakes and, and how they handled uh, big decisions and, and the long-term ramification of those decisions, both good and bad. So by reading these uh, biographies of American presidents, I was able to understand more uh, the executive mindset, uh, the presidential mindset, and how to interface with and interplay with all kinds of different scenarios that come at executive leaders. So for the first few years of my presidency, my purposeful reading plan was to read biographies of American presidents. Now, uh, last year, uh, the the board here gave me a six-week sabbatical. I'd never had anything like that in my life, and so I wasn't quite sure how to how to handle that, or what to do. And I wanted to avoid the mistake of of trying to do too much so that the sabbatical really became a six-week work project. I I didn't want to do that. But I also knew that during that six weeks, uh, I needed to do something to help refocus me spiritually and get me ready to come back to work uh, invigorated and rested and and really focused on the work that I needed to do. So I decided to read uh, some biographies. And I chose those biographies carefully. Um, I read... uh, biography uh, of, uh, of George Whitfield, I read a biography of D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I read the one of uh, uh, Eric Little, and then I read a biography of Jim Henry. Now, that's quite a range. Uh, those four biographies uh, c- cover a couple of centuries, uh, some different theological perspectives, uh, definitely different cultural and ministry settings, and yet, all four of these men have made a profound impact in God's kingdom, so much so that, they were, uh, that they've had people you know, write biographies, and in some cases, multiple biographies about them. So I read those four biographies over a 6 weeks period, and I disciplined myself to only reading two chapters a day. So I wasn't trying to blitz through or anything like that. I just got up, and as a part of my devotional time each morning, I read those two chapters. And as I finished reading them, I just wrote a few notes in a journal, a sabbatical journal, if you will, just writing on what I was understanding in those biographies and how I could reflect on that as it, as it shaped me to be a leader. So when I talk about reading purposefully, I mean that you make a plan. And you don't make a a lifelong plan where you say, I'm only going to read this, and I'm only going to read this for the rest of my life. No, you say, for this year, this is what I'd like to read. Uh, For this season of my life, this is what I'd like to focus on. Or for this short time in my life, this is like a sabbatical or something, this is a project that I'd like to accomplish. But reading purposefully means that you do more than just read whatever comes across your desk or uh, whatever looks good in some ad that pops up on the Internet or what somebody tells you, oh, here's a book you just have to read. No, reading purposefully means that you think, you, you ask yourself, what do I need to read? Why do I need to read it? And then where can I find that particular resource to put into my reading plan that will really shape me in the way that I, I want to be moved? And then a third issue, what should your plan include? Read widely, read purposefully. And the third thing I'd say is read theologically. Read theologically. Don't be afraid to read people who are writing from a theological perspective about problems, about issues, and about ministry. And I don't mean just uh, writing, reading theology books. I mean asking questions like who's writing about immigration from a theological perspective who's writing about the economy from a theological perspective and Who's writing about issues that I'm facing in ministry uh, from a theological perspective and being uh, willing to keep delving into that and keep shaping your thinking by theological writing Most of most leaders have done this while they were in college or seminary But they they tend to get away from it and read books that are more how-to type books and there's nothing wrong with those um, I've written several I, I like those kind of books, but they're not the only only thing that we should be reading about how to do ministry, we should be reading people who are writing theologically about how to do it as well. So read widely and purposefully and theologically, but finally, uh, read what you enjoy. Reading should not be an onerous task. It shouldn't be something that you dread. Oh, I have to read a book. Oh, I have to read a chapter. If that's what you're thinking, then you need to be reading something else. So when I've selected... uh, projects like reading the biographies of American presidents, or reading those biographies on my sabbatical, or when I've selected a project like this particular year, I want to focus on this theological issue, and I want to read two or three theologies that have been written about this subject, or I want to focus on this book of the Bible, and I want to read what people are writing about that book right now. When I read purposefully, it's something that I want to do, that I'm interested in, that I have a desire to know more about, and so I don't find myself Um, dreading it. I I look forward to the time that I'm able to read because I read what I enjoy. Uh, Same thing on reading fiction. There's some kinds of fiction I have zero interest in reading, but there's other kinds that I really do enjoy. And I've got uh, my sons, they seem to enjoy the same kind of books I do and some other friends. And so I don't mind passing the books around, talking about what we've read, encouraging each other as we find something good or interesting to pick up a new author, for example. But we read, I read the kind of fiction that I enjoy. And you you should do the same. So read widely and purposefully and theologically and read what you enjoy when you're creating your reading plan. So uh, I've given you some examples of past reading plans. What's my my current reading plan? Well, uh, currently I'm reading uh, three or four different kinds of books this year. First of all, I'm reading what I call quality leadership books. Now, there are a lot of leadership books that are being written, and you can find them in airport bookstores, and most of that stuff's not what I'm reading. But I look for uh, quality leadership books, and uh, you can find those by looking at a bestseller list to see what people are buying and reading and what's being passed around and recommended and encouraged, and that causes books to rise, and so that's one indication. Another uh, way is to consult with sources that, that are credible. For example, this summer... Uh, J.D. Power uh, came out, or excuse me, J.P. Morgan, I'm sorry, J.P. Morgan, the financial services company, uh, came out with a, a list of 10 uh, business books that business leaders should read in 2018. And so I read, th- looked through that list and Googled up a few of those books, and really there were two of them that I thought were particularly applicable to my work as a seminary president, and so um, I added those books to my list of quality leadership books, and I read both those books um, as part of my summer uh, reading plan. So one part of my current reading plan is quality leadership books. Uh, Another part are what I call theological biographies. Now, I'm currently reading significant biographies of uh, people in uh, recent church history, say the last 300 years, that, that kind of recent, and I'm reading specifically to see how they grappled with theological challenges that they faced and how they were used by God even when they might have different theological perspectives or convictions than many other people in their context. I'm reading these theological biographies. I'm currently working through another biography on Whitfield, for example, George Whitfield. I'm reading these because of the kind of work that I do today. I work in a theologically complex world where people are always talking about ideas, and unfortunately, they're also also choosing sides about those ideas and creating conflict with other believers because they're just so sure that they're right. And they don't really want to make much room sometimes for other people with other perspectives to be also effective in ministry leadership. And so reading theological biographies helps me to understand how different people have approached theological issues and theological problems and how they've put their own theology into practice and to see the interplay that took place between people in past generations over these same issues. A third kind of reading that I'm doing right now is uh, just simply reading history. Um, I I like to read uh, American history particularly, and I like to read uh, the histories of of movements, histories of uh, uh, both spiritual and secular, of different events that have taken place in history so I can get some perspective and context. For example, right now, I'm reading a book on uh, Baptist and revivals, or revivalism. And I'm tracing how Baptists have been involved in revivals, both in the US and in uh, Great Britain uh, in the 1800s and early 1900s. And as I'm reading through that, I'm doing more than just trying to memorize the history of the dates or the people. I'm not even working on that. What I'm reading through it to discover are trends and possibilities. And directions about what revival might look like today if Baptists interfaced with it in a healthy way. So I'm reading history, but I'm reading right now a particular book that provides a spiritual history. Uh, I've read some others about secular history, but a particular book right now on spiritual history, and I'm dealing and I'm focusing on the issue of revivals and revivalism among Baptists. So I'm reading quality leadership books and theological biographies and history, both the, secu- spiritual and secular. But I'm reading that history to try to gain context about, or to see in its context, to see context and perspective. I'm sorry, context and perspective uh, in those in those times, and then trying to update that into our day. And then the last part of my reading plan is just what I call fun fiction, and that are uh, that's reading books that are. Um, that are really just designed to give me a brain break, you know, where I'm able to just kind of lose myself for a few hours in some uh, spy novel or in some detective thing that I'm trying to resolve, some uh, case that's put before me, Uh, just letting my mind uh, just drift for a while and relax for a while. Now you say, well, if you're reading from these four areas, are you reading like one book from each area and then you go back and start over the list? No, that, that's not it at all. Um, I, I, I read in, in different spurts and in different ways in these different areas. So like right now, uh, I'm really focusing on trying to finish up this ba- Baptist and Revivals reading that I've been doing. And, uh, and I've got this Whitfield book that I've just started, but I'm kind of holding that one back because I want to get to that one next on my list. Um, and uh, I'm about to start uh, 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 some travel, and so I know while I'm traveling, I'll Pull out some, you know, uh, novels, and and I'll use some of that travel time just to relax while I'm on the road, and just again give myself kind of a brain break. So I don't read, uh, you know, like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, going through my list and trying to stay balanced. I just say these are the four areas I'm reading from right now, and I want to kind of work on those areas, and then probably by about January one, I'll be reshaping that list because that's been kind of what I've been doing for this year, and thinking about what my reading plan will be for next year. So. Uh, That leads me to the last question, and that is, how can I read more? Now, reading uh, is hard for some people because it takes time, and you think, well, I just don't have the time. Well, let me see if I can talk to you about how you can address that issue um, and how you can uh, read more. First, turn off other media. Turn off other media. Turn your phone off. Uh, Log out of your computer. Uh, put your iPad away, turn off the television, don't go to the movies, turn off other media. That's how you create time to read. Now you say, well, I like other media, so do I. I have a phone, I have an iPad, I have a computer, I have a television, in fact, we have three in our house, and I go to movies. I enjoy other media as well. But I've learned to turn off other media so that I can have time to read. Because reading does what for me what other media simply don't. Reading gives me the opportunity to shape myself spiritually and interface with people with great minds, sharpen my communication style. It gives me an emotional escape or brain break, as I've said. That comes to me through reading, and sometimes these other media can help me a little bit in these areas, but they don't give me all these different dimensions that reading can accomplish. So turn off other media. If you do that, it's going to free up time for you to read. Second, uh, keep a book with you all the time. Now, uh, some people ask me, well, do you like real books or electronic books? And the answer is yes. I like real books and electronic books. For me, if I'm reading something casually, like fiction, or if I'm reading a book that I I really want to just enjoy, but I'm not really marking it up or using it as some kind of a reference book, and that's generally how I read biographies, I'll typically buy those electronically, so that in the electronic form, I can have it with me all the time, I'm not really marking it up, I'm not really saving a lot of notes, and so I can just read it and enjoy it. But if I'm going to mark the book up or try to uh, use it as a research tool or, or, or if I'm going to use it as a, something in a class I'm going to teach or I'm going to draw a lot of information from it for notes that I'm putting together for a presentation, then I still buy real books. Because for me, they're just easier to work with. Now, I know some people say, oh, it's so much easier to mark up electronic books and cut and paste and move all that around. And hey, if that's what you like to do, go right ahead. But I guess I'm still old school enough that I, I just like to mark things up and and, uh, and have them that way where I can look at them, get to them quickly, and use them that way. So it just depends on the kind of reading that I'm doing, whether I like an electronic book or a real book. But by some means, keep a book with you all the time. So that whether you're, so that when you're sitting in an airport, or whether you're sitting in a doctor's office, or whether you're waiting on your child to finish gymnastics practice, or, or whether you're in the car uh, after church waiting for your kids to come out from youth group, you have that little bit of time that you can pick up the book and read another chapter. Uh, by doing this, you find little bits of time all around you that you can use for reading. And then when you do have a time on a plane, or uh, like, or, or while you're waiting for someone to accomplish something, where you may have thirty minutes, or an hour, or five hours then you've got that book with you and you're always able to default to that and to spend that time reading. So how can I read more? Turn off other media and keep a book with you all the time. A third way that you can read more is uh, by cutting the by using a library to cut the costs of owning or having books. Now um, there are ways that you can get e-books for free and I do that and then you can be a member of a like Amazon Prime or something like that where you can get access to books that are part of your membership but there, there's also still the need, especially on newer books that have just come out, uh, to pay for those books, and that can get really expensive really quick, and I understand that. Uh, but libraries are not expensive. In fact, they are free. And so, you know, we're, I, I have a public library card, believe it or not, and occasionally that's still the best source for me to get a book that I really want, that I don't want to buy, but I do want to take with me to read. Uh, it's also, uh, I have a, access to a seminary library, and you say, yeah, you're lucky, you're, you're right there. Well, you have access to a seminary library, too. If you've graduated from seminary, almost any seminary will let the graduates continue to use their library by some, uh, by, by some means, having access to their materials. And if you're not a graduate, uh, and you contact a seminary library, they're going to be very helpful to you to try to help you get what you need as a part of accessing their resources. Uh, and so, uh, you know, use a library. Use the library to cut the cost and to make it more uh, to make reading more accessible and to have more books accessible to you. And then the last thing you might do, and uh, this, this might surprise you and that is you might take a reading class. You say what? I already took a reading class a long time ago in seventh grade. No, I'm talking about taking a reading class, for example, through a community college or through some uh, local university that helps you learn how to read faster, comprehend more effectively, and maybe diagnoses some flaws in how you're reading uh, that will help you to read better. You say, "Well, I'd be embarrassed if I took that." No, don't be embarrassed. Um, I have friends who've done this and who've had the who have significantly increased their speed of reading, their comprehension of reading, and eliminated some some mistakes that were made in how they read that they didn't even know they were making. And so, reading is a skill, and just like you can take a cooking class, learn how to cook better. Uh, you know, you can take an auto mechanics class, learn how to work on your car better. You can take a reading class, and you can actually learn how to to read faster, comprehend better, and enjoy it more. So if you're struggling in this area and you really want to get better, uh, take a reading class. Look into it, find out how to do that, and see if you can improve in this area. So when people ask me the question, what are you reading? And, you know, I try to answer with a short answer by giving them a book or two that's on my uh, shelf right now or in my, uh, my travel bag right now. But broader than that, why should leaders read? How do we develop a plan to read? How do we find more time to read? These are important questions to answer as we work on that question, what are you reading? And as we work toward the goal of being leaders who are learners and using reading as a primary means to make that happen. Hey, I know you can do it. Don't be put down or don't be depressed. Don't be struggling. You can read more. You can do it. And when you do, you'll find out that you'll be a better leader for it. And as you do that, you can, as you know, lead on.